I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And what are you making? This this painting just fell down next to me. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You could hardly hear it. Okay. Um, What are you making? This week, I am making just sugar cookies with the classic... um, frosting with the powdered sugar and milk and you just mix it up and it makes white frosting Mm. and then a sugar cookie you know just your classic one um basically sugar flour butter all the good stuff and then um i what i did with this one is i put a little we're doing a spookier episode right yeah so then what i did was i put a little bit of black food coloring on it and I put an X on it, and then I took a toothpick, and I pulled it across, and did little circles, and made a cool little spider web. Cute. So spooky Halloween cookies. A little Love Halloweeny. Simple. Wait, can I say a really funny story really quick? Yes. Always. So once a time, once upon a time, sorry. Once a time. Once a time. My mother-in-law. Um, at the time, she was not my mother-in-law. She was my my uh, boyfriend's mom. And I didn't think she liked me very much. Um, and so we're having, like, a really good conversation. And we're talking about Halloween. And, like, I'm just trying to, like, I mean, I, I also, I like her. And so, like, we're having a good conversation. But, like, you know, I'm trying everything I can to get her to like me. And, like, so I'm being, like, yes, man, like, really into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And she's talking, she was saying, like, yeah, so we usually get like 250 Halloweeners come around. And she kept saying like how they'd get so many Halloweeners. And they live in a very populated area. So like I was thinking everyone was dressed up like so 250 separate kids dressed up in a hot dog costume and called themselves a Halloweener. <laughs> <laughs> So when she says they get 250, I was like, why would they all choose the same costume? <laughs> and so I was like, that is so crazy. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I mean, you know, we live in a pretty busy area. A lot of kids come to us. And I'm like, but why would everyone choose that costume? And she's like, what? And I'm like, being a Halloweener. <laughs> and then it's like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought they were hot dogs. To your defense, <laughs> nobody, I've never heard anyone say Halloweener before. So. I, know. I know, but the fact that my mind just created this Halloween costume, like it's like a comment, like I've never heard that before. Oh my God. But I should dress up like a hot dog and call myself a Halloweener. A right Halloweener. Here. Yeah, <laughs> a witch's hat on a hot dog and you're a Halloweener. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh. Love it. Love Halloween. Okay. So before we get into the spooky stories, we actually wanted to say that this is our very last episode of Sprinkle of Sugar Dash of Murder. But, but... <laughs> <laughs> there's a new podcast or a, we're transitioning into this new podcast, um, Macabre Minds, and we're very excited. And that trailer will be out soon. And then the next time we record, it'll be 
macabre minds. So we're not going away, like forever. Yeah, no, we're not gone. Don't worry, you didn't get you didn't get rid of us that easy. Um, we are planning on keeping it on the same platform. So I think like if you have sprinkle of sugar saved as your favorite, you'll just see that the name changed to macabre minds. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know how to spell it, because we realize that macabre is not a word that everybody knows. I think a lot of people know it. Yeah. According to Emily, but I, a lot of people <laughs> in my world don't know it. Um, so anyway, macabre is spelled M-A-C-A-B-R-E. So macabre. <laughs> yes, correct. So if you're oh. looking for us. Macabre minds. Macabre minds. Yep, that's what it is. Um, it'll just be a little broader of like a spectrum of, you know, the spooky stories that we like, paranormal, like weird mysteries, things like that. We think it can, and also like the psychology of, you know, people's minds and everything. That's the whole point of this switch, so we can get into that a little more. Um. <laughs> Muted, but it looked so violent. <laughs> oh my god, that was violent. I don't know what just happened. <clears throat> oh, oh. My gosh. I just <laughs> died. What was that? That was bizarre. Oh my god, I think I think it was um a hookworm. A what? <laughs> a hookworm. <laughs> Um, you never heard about hookworms? I don't know why I'm acting like this is something everyone should know. I just no. learned about it. <clears throat> okay, so anyone that's listening, I okay, for one, I just had a horrible coughing fit. <laughs> so bad where I had to mute my mic and Emily <laughs> Emily just had to watch me die a little bit. Oh, um, God, sorry. But no, okay, so anyone that's listening. I also encourage you to listen to the podcast, This Podcast Will Kill You. It is so interesting. It talks about the microbiology behind um, different viruses and um, (coughs) illnesses that people get. And then they talk about the history behind it as well. It's so cool. They break it all the way down for you. And, like, it's not just people in the medical world. Like, it's really cool all around, I think. Wow. Um, But anyway... Um, I have been listening to it quite a bit and I just heard this episode about hookworms and the way that a hookworm infects you first it um is a little larva in the dirt in the muddy poopy dirt and then you um if you walk on it with bare feet well first off it molts three times so then eventually once it gets big enough then it'll find its host which is typically a human with bare feet and it sees that um, your little, it like gets on your foot and then it goes, burrows into your skin and then it gets into your bloodstream, goes through your bloodstream, up to your heart, goes through your heart, into your lungs, and then it pops through. So at the base of your lungs, you have these little, like, they almost look like grape clusters called alveoli. And, and that's like helps with the oxygen exchange that goes into your blood. But, like, it pops through one of the little grape alveoli, goes up through your lungs, up your trachea, 
And then you have this little thing that keeps you from, uh, like called an epiglottis, that keeps you from aspirating liquids. It goes over your epiglottis into your esophagus, which goes down into your stomach and then into your intestines. And then it malts again and then it hooks on to your intestines and sucks your blood and lives inside of you. <clears throat> Ew. And you so think you I, just had that right now? <laughs> so I think I think one just crossed over my epiglottis um, my trachea into my esophagus. Maybe you should get that checked out. And now I'm infected by a hookworm. Oh, my God. <clears throat> oh, man, that was rough. Wow. Wow, you, I guess you guys weren't really thinking you'd hear about a hookworm today. <laughs> no, but that's the kind of, you know, interesting facts we want to bring to you guys. So, <laughs> Yes, case in point. We don't want to be in a box, a murder box. That sounds right. really creepy. I don't want to be in one of those ever. I mean, no, never. But <laughs> metaphorically or literally. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we, and also, I'm sorry, y'all, but I don't, I'm not telling you when I haven't baked or cooked, but I don't always bake or cook. I gotta be honest. I got an 18 month old. I don't have the time. Um, I mean, that's why Emily's the sweetheart and does all the research because I really am just free riding on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So tune in to Macabre Minds next week. It's going to be our first step. Well, oh, oh it's my doctor. Oh. oh okay, Emily. So now let's get into the spooky stories. Okay. So they're both kind of short. So that's why I did like two. Um, the And they're both mysteries. So neither of these cases has one has been really solved in the public eye. I mean, the government in the first one, the first one is the Dyatlov Pass mystery. Um, have you heard of that? No, ma'am. Okay, cool. Um, well, that one, the government has said is closed, but the public doesn't really believe that. Um, so we'll start with that one. Um, and this happened in February 1959 in Russia. Um, <clears throat> Igor Dyatlov, Dyatlov, I said that wrong, uh, led an expedition of eight young explorer, explorers, oh my god, I cannot speak, into the Ural Mountains, um, seven men and two women, uh, attempting to reach Mount Ortorin in Russia, um, and they made their campsite on the slopes of Kolat Sayakal, which means dead mountain, um, which should have been your first clue. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, at about 3,600 feet. So that's where their campsite was. Um, all of them were in their early to mid-20s, except for one who was in his late 30s. And... They all were very experienced mountaineers. They have all skied across frozen lakes and totally uninhabited areas before. So they all knew what they were doing, um, which is why they're 
possible accident um, is very confusing because they they really knew what they were doing is what I'm saying. Um, so the last diary entry that they made um, before they all died, spoiler alert, um, the diary was very hopeful and in high spirits. Everyone was like very cheerful. They were writing that they were having a great time and everything was going according to plan, showing no signs of danger or fear. And February 2nd was the last night that they were all alive and all of them died that night, February 2nd. So it took, because of conditions up there on the mountain, it took three months to find all of their bodies um they were found about six miles away from their destination so they were almost there they just hadn't reached it and they were in a forest about a mile away from the campsite without their skis shoes or coats in approximately negative 30 degree fahrenheit weather um oh what (laughs) yeah doesn't that sound fun? Negative 30? Yeah. They're experienced. They should know. Yeah, that's so bizarre. They should know. Yeah. <coughs> their campsite was abandoned. Their tent was, their tents were badly damaged. And it was found out that the tents were torn apart from the inside. So it was like they they were in their tents and ripped it apart, desperate to get out. And it's another interesting detail of what made them so desperate to get out that they, like, tore their tent apart from the inside, you know, to escape. Mm -hmm. Um, Some prints were in the snow, and it indicated that at least one person was barefoot as they were fleeing. So that's another thing. It's so cold. All of their gear was left in the tent. Most of their clothes, um, they're, like running out barefoot and everything so something must have obviously scared them so bad that they just got up running yeah it's like the time i thought there was a bear in our tent uh, literally did <laughs> <laughs> i pause really quick to tell that story yeah okay um i'm sorry to interrupt the story um Go. but there was one time that emily and i were camping together i probably have already told this story probably but oh, um well. emily and i were camping together and we were camping with a group of people, but we were sharing a tent. And all of a sudden, they're calling our names, telling us to come out quick. They're telling us, get out, get out quick, come on. And so me, I wake up to Emily moving, and I can, I kind of vaguely remember them saying something and hearing them yell our names. And so I get up in a panic. I don't, I wake up running. Like, I don't, I don't remember getting up or opening my sleeping bag or anything. I just re- remember running. And Emily was already kind of on our way out of, the, out of the tent at that point. And I, you know, I kind of guess in that moment I was living by the philosophy, um, you don't have to be the fastest. You can't, you just can't be the slowest. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I shoved Emily out of the way into the dewy grass. Um, and then after I woke up, all the way and realized what I had just done. I realized that they were just calling our names to show us the northern lights. The northern lights. And now Emily is soaking wet <laughs> from the dewy grass. 
and I have to uh, live knowing that I would sacrifice her. Yeah, you would leave me in the dust if a bear ever attacked us. (laughs) I did not, you know, if I would have thought, like, it was my sleepy self, because I really don't think I Uh would do that. Uh (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so that's the thing, is they woke up running. Yeah, just like that. Um, six of the skiers died of hypothermia and three died of injuries. Two of them were found under a cedar tree near the remains of a fire, like they had started one, like they were trying to warm themselves up, possibly. And three others were found a couple hundred, couple hundred feet from the tree. And then four more were found in a ravine, another 250 feet away. And... The two found by the tree had burned hands, and the tree had, like, bits of flesh scraped into it. <coughs> um, one of them, oh gosh, so his last name, Kravinoshenko, had blackened fingers and third-degree burns on his shin and his foot, and inside his mouth was a chunk of flesh that he had bitten off of his right hand. Um, and another person's body had burned hair on one side of the head and a charred sock, and all of their bodies were covered in bruises, abrasions, scratches, and cuts. Um, and then the four in the ravine were not found until May 2nd, and they were all found in poses suggesting they were trying to get back to the tent. And Sullivan was found with a fracture to his skull, but his cause of death was determined to be the elements, not the skull fracture. And both Dabinina and Zolotrev had fractured ribs, and Nikolai, who's another one, um, had a major skull fracture. But Dabina's foot was wrapped in a piece of another man's pants and Zolotrev was found wearing Davina's hat and coat and some garments had like cuts in them as if they were forcibly removed um so all this is super strange obviously and the force of their fractures was determined to have been a force similar to a car crash so it could not have been made by another human being so they ruled out like homicide Mm -hmm. um because it was the they were like crushed, crushed, not just you know a heavy blow, you know, um no soft tissue was damaged, but Davina and Zolotrov were both missing their eyes and tongue, um which led to questions like, who cut out their eyes and tongue, and why, and those body parts were never found, so. They have no idea. We still to this day have no idea how that happened or why. That is so creepy. Yeah. like, if it was an animal or something that scared them up, like, no animal is just going to steal your eyes and tongue. And then, yeah, leave the rest of your body. It's, I don't know. It's really interesting and weird. Um, and some of the skiers' clothes were found to have radiation on them, um, which is another weird thing. They're up in the mountains and... Apparently, there's radiation. 
Um, but due to an absence of a guilty party, the inquest into what happened to them closed in May of 1959, only a few weeks after the last four bodies were discovered, what? and the files were archived by the Russian government and put under classified. So that immediately Ooh. caused theories to come out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Soviet investigators listed cause of death as compelling natural force. Um, but obviously a lot of people, it got out about the radiation and a lot of people began immediately um, speculating that the skiers had come across um, like a nuclear testing zone and were driven to madness from radiation. Um, one person was found in only their underwear um, and the removing of clothes was explained as paradoxical undressing, which apparently happens in like 25% of hypothermia victims. I've heard of that. Yeah. And what happens is the hypothalamus malfunctions and sends incorrect signals to the brain and the body. Um, the brain thinks your body temperature is rising when instead it's actually dropping. So people like start undressing because they think they're getting really hot when they're actually getting really cold. Um, that's super bizarre. I mean, I guess like when you're that cold and like, even if you think, cause I, I'd be like, okay, even if I was that hot, like my, I would feel like my brain would tell me, Hey, um, you shouldn't be this, this hot. You're in the snow. Like don't right. take off your clothes. Yeah. Like look around you. It's obviously like snow and wind. I don't, but I don't know the human brain. Um, and then the third-degree burns that were found on the bodies were explained to have come from delirium of frostbite and hypothermia, that they were so cold that they put their legs and hands into the fire to stop them from freezing, and that the man who had bitten off part of his hand was probably trying to test for, like, feeling in his hands because he had frostbite. Um, So that's how the government explained it, which could make sense. Like, I can see that logically being an explanation, you know? But there's just too much going on, I feel like. It's just, like, for one, like, multiple people are found with hardly any clothes, right? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, what are the chances that that would happen to that many people and they would all decide to take off their clothes? Yeah. And then also, like, okay, you bite your hand, like, you don't have feelings, but, like, you still feel it in your teeth like Mm -hmm. like you know when to stop i would think right it's very bizarre (laughs) and the fact that they were crushed um a lot of people said like oh it was an avalanche and the snow crushed them but there was no evidence of an avalanche happening so i can't see like the force of the snow crushing them so it's very strange of like what happened but it also couldn't like couldn't possibly have been another human being to do it so it's just so bizarre um and there were only eight or eight or nine sets of footprints in the snow which means there could not have been another party's involvement like there was not another person there um some people like thought it was the local like monsi tribe attacking but that's highly unlikely um 
the Monsi people are like very peaceful. They know their area well, and they even volunteered to help search for them. And that kind of just ruled out really quickly that it couldn't possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but another of the big theories, back to like the nuclear testing and stuff, um, orange spheres were sighted in the sky on the night that they all died um, by some campers that were about 50 miles away. And there was actually missile launches that night from an R-7 intercontinental missile launch. So their campsite was actually on a pathway for a missile launch site, um, the Balkanor Cosmodrome, it, and it was a Soviet nuclear testing ground. And because of the radiation found on their clothing, a lot of people speculated that they drank melted, contaminated snow. Um, and a witness to their funerals also said that all of the bodies had a deep, like, brown tan on their skin, mm-hmm. which was, like, an unnatural color um, that they believe is from radiation as well. So that is, like, the leading and most popular theory of what happened to them since there actually was a site nearby of nuclear testing. Okay. Um. The This one is funny, kind of. Um, the Yeti is another popular theory. <laughs> people think, um, well, they weren't crushed by a human. It was a Yeti who lives in the mountains. Um, not sure about okay, that. Then. <laughs> but every time I ride Expedition Everest at um, Animal Kingdom, and they have, like, in the queue, it's, like, the set of, like, explorers who were attacked by a Yeti. I think of mm-hmm. the Atlove Pass every single time. <laughs> but, um... So another a writer who studied this case also suggested that the high winds passing over the mountain created infrasound, which is vibrations below the range of human hearing, but you can still kind of like feel it. Um, and it induced such terror that they fled. But um, I don't know. That's also I like I They're don't experienced under- once again, you know, like do yeah. you really, I, don't, I don't really see that. Right, and they had all been in those situations of high winds like that before. Right. So the prosecutor of the case, um, which also there was no guilty party, so I'm confused why there was a prosecutor, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. In 1990, he had retired, and he published an article about it saying he had been pressured not to include his views of what happened in his 1959 report. Um, and his article is called The Enigma of the Fireballs. And he claims that they had been killed by heat rays or balls of fire associated with UFOs. And oh he said that when he investigated, he found the trees with the unusual burn marks, which could have only come from a heat ray or powerful force of nature unknown to us um and in the last photograph on their cam on the skiers camera it showed like flares and streaks of light in the sky so um i'm not sure about ufos being a thing Mm -hmm. i don't know um but that's what the (laughs) prosecutor believed and he did not put that in his original report because they told him you're crazy 
Um, in 2019, the Russian government reopened the case with the intention of proving that an avalanche had killed them. Um, but an avalanche has never been documented in that area. So scientists studied the terrain with 3D imaging um, mm-hmm. made from drones to try and determine the slope and degree of the mountains if it could have been possible. Um, and an avalanche needs at least a 30 degree slope to occur. And the measurements showed that some of the areas, some of the mountains were at least 30 degrees, but um, they ultimately decided, while it may be remotely possible, we would suggest that it is highly improbable that they died of uh, avalanche. The scientists did agree that the wind and snow was so bad that it was hard to operate a camera up there. And they said, quote, it had a macabre atmosphere. You are completely oh. alone up there. Oh, look at that. Our new name. Um, they said, blah, 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 blah. Right. So we believe that the avalanche hypothesis cannot be completely ruled out, but that it is not the most likely scenario. Um, the families of the victims and the Russian people tend to believe the most likely actual cause was a missile launch gone horribly wrong nearby with a mixture of the radiation effects from the nuclear um, testing site. Um, And what adds to that theory is that this expedition took place less than two years after this, the third worst nuclear accident in history after Chernobyl and Fukushima, um, which occurred nearby in 1957, where a tank of radioactive waste exploded in a radioactive plume some 200 miles long spread northward. So they were in that area as well. And they say that the lights in the sky were not UFOs, but coming from the weapons testing. Um, so that is the most popular theory that exists today. Um, that it was like madness and like horrible effects from that, that drove them to like, just be in a complete delirium and it did like strange effects on their brain and body, but it's not completely explaining everything. Like that theory doesn't check all the boxes of like what happened to them, but like, where are their eyes and tongues? Exactly. That's the most like weird, interesting. Well, not maybe not interesting, but like that's the mo- the one that like doesn't fit really. And also, what kind of radiation can cause your chest to just like implode like that? And right. I don't, I don't know. It's so strange. Yeah, like I'm not claiming to be an expert that, but that all sounds too right. Yeah. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> I said, I'm not claiming to be an expert, but that don't sound too right. Oh, <laughs> did not hear you. You right I the first tell, time. You go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that is uh, Dyatlov Pass. It is now a very popular hiking and tourist destination of people <gasps> trying to like 
go up there and see for themselves what it's like up there. Um, hundreds of people have gone there on foot, snowmobile, skiing. Um, and people come from all over the world to see where their tent once stood, the stream bed where their bodies were found, and like the cedar tree, which has been left unmarked. So everything that happened that night is still like on that tree. So wow yeah, if you wanted to check it out you could it's i would personally never take a trip up those kind of mountains like ex climbing up ex like everest mountains of any kind is not a dream for me at all i'll pass no, it's, it's not i mean it's so dangerous i don't even think like the views are worth it <laughs> no like, i think once you get past a certain point you're above the clouds like and it's not like you're going to be looking down on, like, a, an amazing waterfall. Like, everything's frozen. Everything's cold. Usually, the, yeah. the weather is not ideal. Yeah, it's not for and me. You could die. I can see that on Nat Geo and be like, wow, I'm glad I watched that on my TV and I'm good. <laughs> yeah, like, comfy underneath my you know, cozy blanket. And, you know, on Everest, bodies of people are actually mile markers on that mountain like they're like once you hit this body you're at like certain amount of feet because they're told like you should never stop to go help somebody never remove a body like just leave it because it's so dangerous up there i'm like why would you you're literally you literally have to pass like hundreds of bodies to get to the top and you're still like i'm gonna do it like no yeah it's a very i mean good for anyone that has that drive to do that like right I I don't see the draw other than it being I mean it's the same to me as like running a marathon like yeah. I don't see like I know that it is if if you were to tell me that you climbed Everest or ran a marathon I'd be like you are amazing superhuman yeah. I'm like I would really think highly of you but with I'm super that, impressed, but I also have zero desire to ever do it yes yeah, same I'm like absolutely not uh it couldn't be me dog no I would rather jump out of a plane and like skydive than do that like skydiving okay yeah but no. bungee jumping okay yeah what is that I think it's because it takes less exertion <laughs> yeah. really it's not, in my head it's not as dangerous because I'm strapped to somebody who knows what they're doing so yeah I guess I mean that's true it I I think probably statistically it's less dangerous yeah I mean it's not like skydiving or bungee jumping you're gonna be seeing a bunch of dead bodies of people who've done it before <laughs> like, yeah no honestly I think the reason why for me is just less effort <laughs> <laughs> yeah that and it's not I, cold I can do that in the cold. summertime yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah oh gosh we've just revealed a lot about ourselves literally i'll choose the lazy thrills thank you yeah right exactly <laughs> lazy thrill seekers only well but we don't i mean that's just funny because we also we've a lot of rafting yeah i went on an eight-day canoe trip in the wilderness we zip line oh. we do the, we oh, do fun things yeah but that mm -hmm. zip lining doesn't take a lot of exertion no it doesn't it's just fun Canoeing eight days straight does. Yeah. So. Anyway, we're we're athletic, just not enough I'm, to do Everest. I'm level around You know. What'd you say? I don't need to be going up inclines or 
running. No, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, as long as it's a straight plane on water, level ground, yeah, you're good. <laughs> so, yeah, that is the Outlook Pass, still a mystery, even though the government said, yeah, it's definitely an avalanche, closed and done. Most people don't believe that. So. I mean, I don't even think they believe it. No, probably not. Because they're just... And you know, Russia, especially at that time, they were like, shush, shush, we don't need to tell the public anything. We don't need to tell them the truth. Hello? Yeah. Especially when they, like, instantly say confidential. I mean, yeah. you know. I'm you like, okay, something happened. Something. Obviously. Probably aliens. Probably. I think aliens. You think aliens? aliens i'm very like oh for sure they're out there and then also i'm like you're crazy i don't know it's like i believe it and i don't at the same time i think i think there have been aliens and i think there has been some contact that we are the government is not allowing us to know about yeah well you know the government did release those or whoever it was released those videos last year or whatever right and it was just so like nonchalant like they're like yep it's here evidence like uh okay and then okay um not only up in the sky i just was listening to i think morbid i think morbid was just talking about this um they were also talking about like the depths of the ocean like who knows what's down there not me I mean, yeah right <laughs> right it's like okay we're talking about like everything that can be above but also we don't know everything that's below no so the ocean, my number one fear for a reason i hate the ocean oh so yeah ah. what's that called thassa thassalophobia Thassala? that's what i have oh, yeah. yeah i can't go more than like a couple yards into the ocean if I have to stand on my tippy toes, no, that's too deep for me. <laughs> yeah, Once sure. upon a time, I used to be able to, but I think now I wouldn't. I've literally stepped on a stingray before. I didn't get stung. Like, oh I God. just stepped on this little slipper back. Poor baby. Because they just, like, they sit on the bottom of, like, a sandbar, and yeah. they just sun themselves, and they don't see your big feet coming. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Poor just guy. Not expecting yeah. <laughs> You didn't ask to be stepped on. He wasn't preying on me. I preyed on him. Bum, bum, bum. Um. Anyway, all right. What's the next story? I'm okay. I'm, I'm in it. So this story is called um the Oorang Death Ship. I think I'm saying that right. Um. And it is said to be a haunted vessel now. Um, And this happened in the 40s, uh, June 1947, um, when somewhere between Sumatra and Malaysia, um, some ships that were passing by claimed to pick up a series of SOS signals. And one of the messages that... uh, or, like, the last message they got from this ship said, All officers, including Captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead. And then 
a burst of Morse code, and then I die. And that was the end. That was the end of the message. Yeah. Silence. Horrifying. Yeah. Imagine hearing that. Um, So this distress call was picked up by two American ships and um, a British and Dutch listening post. And they decided to try and help. And they managed to triangulate the source. Um, And it was coming from a Dutch freighter known as the SS Ureng Medan. And the American ship called the Silver Star was the closest and went to go check it out. And um, the Silver Star found the ship within hours of hearing that message. And the ship, the Urang, was, like, just floating, rising and falling in the waters. Like, it was obviously, like, no one was in control or anything. And they didn't notice any sign of life on the deck um and they tried the americans tried to like wave somebody down try to like search from it search for like anybody from their own ship and they didn't they couldn't find or see anybody so the captain of the silver star decided okay we're gonna board this vessel see what's going on find if there's any survivors um and when the americans boarded the ship they realized that the deck was just littered with corpses of the Dutch crew. Like, everybody was dead. And their eyes were, like, wide open. Their arms were, like, reaching out, like they were reaching for somebody. And all of their faces were just, like, in agony and, like, horror. Like, all of their faces were, like, frozen in this, like, terrified look. And even the, there was one dog on board, even the dog was dead and its face was like in like a snarl as well. What? Just like the most creepy, ominous thing. Like what could have possibly happened where every single person was just laying dead and looking like that? You know? That is so, were they like, I mean, you might tell more details, but like, were they dead where they stood? Like. Did it seem like they all grouped together somewhere? Like they had time to run around? Or like, do you think that they just died where they stood? No, they were just, I think, dead where they were. Because it was like on the deck, as they like explored the whole ship, like in the hallways, in their beds, like everyone was found dead like that, like where they were. Um, they found the captain on the bridge and the officers were found like just strewn about the chart room um and the communications officer was found dead right where he was his fingertips like still reaching like like on the telegram like he was sending something out like and just died right there can you repeat what it said what yeah like the last message yeah it said all officers, including captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead, and then some Morse code, and then I die. And that was it. What? Yeah. What? I just, like, like logically, I can't even think of what could possibly have done that. And then... Well, did they have any wounds? No. No. They were just dead. Yeah. They found 
below deck, the American uh, crew found even more corpses in like the boiler, the boiler room. And the American crew said, even though um, the temperature outside was 110 degrees Fahrenheit, the boiler room where it's supposed to be hottest was like extremely cold. It had like this chill in the air that they said, even though it was supposed to be like super hot. Um, How does that make any sense? Yeah. And then they searched the bodies, could not find any evidence of, like, injury or foul play. Like, the bodies were intact. Um, But they were also swiftly decaying. And there was no um, damage to the ship itself, either. So they could not understand, like, what had happened. Or what happened to them. Um... And then the captain of the Silver Star decided, you know what, we aren't going to figure out anything out at sea. So they tethered themselves to the Oorang, and they were just going to tow the ba- the ship back to port um, to have it investigated. But as soon as the crew attached the tow line, um, they noticed some smoke starting to like pour up from below deck. So they untied themselves, and the boat just exploded and sank into the ocean like very suddenly just exploded and sank what yeah and so they all they could do was just watch the ship sink with all the bodies on it and now it's sitting at the end at the bottom of the ocean in pieces um and they'll probably never know what happened but so, so yeah. you said it's still very haunted. Like, do people go down? I think and- okay. So it would- says, um, so it went down in legend that that trade route of the East Indies mm-hmm. was like a haunted trade route now. So like people were like people in other ships going by report like strange they like seeing strange things on that trade route through the ocean so that's what i mean by like haunted and people are like is it the ghosts of the people on that ship or something um but it's very very strange the u.s coast guard um said quote their frozen faces were upturned to the sun staring as if in fear the mouths were gaping open and eyes staring um and so yeah. weird like it's because like they can send out a message and another boat can get to them in minutes so it's not like they were out floating around for days trying to get no they they sent out messages or they sent yeah. out a message and then also it's super bizarre because the uh like if you'd think okay it must have been like like my thought is maybe something with like a gas line or something like where you'd think that, like, some kind of gas would knock them out and, like, right. detect them. But it's, like, they're out in the open air. Mm-hmm. Like, unless there's some bizarre phenomenon where, like, I don't know, a gas bubble erupts from underneath the yeah. ocean. Like, I don't know, something, some ship went down and, I don't know. Because you I know how, know. like, water yeah. helps collect a gas in, like, a bubble and then, but still, I mean, it would dissipate so fast. I don't think it'd be 
hard enough to like or like it'd be strong enough to kill anyone especially people inside yeah it doesn't make sense to me it really does not make sense and like other people thought perhaps it was um that they were carrying like lethal substances like a lot of nitroglycerin like cyanide mixtures and stuff like that that possibly they were breathing in that whole time and like I don't know a lot of people thought it was something like that especially since the ship blew up that it was something like that but I'm thinking something like that but then also how would everyone die like all at the same time yeah right like I said out on the deck in the open air that doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. um I don't know so yeah the theories go that it was like a dangerous concoction of things pop maybe carbon monoxide or but yeah I, well I guess we'll never know because it's kind of um impossible to test anything now and like nobody wants to probably go near what's left of the ship down there you know yeah. Yeah, the fact but, that it yeah. blew up really tells me it was some some kind of gas or substance in the air, even. I don't know, because... Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, it's definitely one of the, like, eeriest things. And, like, it's just so unexplainable because whatever happened happened so fast with, like, no time to investigate anything. And... I just, I've never heard of something like that before, where, like, everyone just simultaneously died looking like they were in absolute terror. It's just, there's so many unexplainable things in the world, and it's scary. That is so scary. I don't even... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really short story, because that's literally all we really know. Um, But it's just so weird and interesting. Once again, with the depths of the ocean and just not like I've always said I never would want to go on a cruise. I mean, I think now I would go on a cruise, but not on a cruise where I'm like out in the open ocean. Like the only kind of cruise I really want to go to is like an Alaskan cruise where I'm like along the shoreline. Right. Um, But because it's just like out in the middle of the water, no one else around really creeps me out like me too like I yeah right with what you just said yeah but like I wouldn't even say I have a phobia of the ocean or anything but just thinking about like just like you are you're not near a hospital you're not near any other people if you need to get rescued you're pretty screwed like I just yeah some really scary stuff can happen out on the water Mm-hmm. And, like, the closest help could be so far from you, and, uh, no. It cruises, no. No. And I, it's just so bizarre that, like, whatever happened to them, I mean, can't be investigated, but then also, like, has never happened again. Right. It's not like yeah. this is, like, that we know oh, of. well, it could have been the same thing that happened to these people. It's like, this is a one-off. It must have just been, like, the perfect storm of right, whatever they were carrying or whatever malfunction was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it is now known as the Death Ship. Rightfully so, yes. I think. Um, 
But yeah, those are two spooky mysteries that probably will never be completely closed off and, you know, a ending that everybody agrees on, you know, but such is yeah. life. I mean, it is it is insane how many just open cases there are or, um, yeah, cases that will probably never be closed. Yeah. Um, just absolute mysteries. It's, I mean, these are, these are spooky ones, like, I don't want to call them fun, but, um, just like a mystery type thing. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go and you even look at, like, America and all of the cases we have of just, like, missing persons or mysterious deaths. Yeah. Like open cases that, I mean, I really do think a lot of the podcasts, um, are helping solve those in ways because it's really bringing people's attention to them i know yeah. that crime junkies i'm really shouting out a lot of <laughs> podcasts this episode. <laughs> yeah but i know that crime junkie really does a good job of wanting to make sure that awareness is brought to these closed cases or, or not closed cases these um what are they called cold cases cold cases yes yeah these cold cases and um I used to like kind of get frustrated because you know like you know you like a mystery story that has like some kind of resolution you know who did it but then also this is actually doing something crime junkies is actually doing something where you can really make an impact and really um help solve a case and close a case and that is really cool yeah be a part it of was an amateur internet sleuth who solved the golden gate bridge um and like oh, golden, wait the golden, golden gate bridge state, oh well, yeah, the golden, golden state, state killer, killer. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even realize what i said and you were looking at me like what did you just say like i think she said the golden state killer that's what i meant oh yeah yeah golden I gate know bridge that. is open <laughs> we've solved it we actually solved the solved the golden gate bridge it was a big mystery if you didn't know <laughs> uh, why yeah. is the golden gate bridge red <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um yes no golden state killer yeah you're right i mean it's just amazing um the outreach that we have now and yeah so Anyway, that was the last episode of Sprinkle of Sugar Dash of Murder. Yeah. Oh, end of an era, but beginning of a new one. Yeah. It's going to be um, a lot more involved and our social media presence will be a lot better. So yeah. please follow us on our socials when we get them out there. We will definitely be making announcements as far as um, what all their names are and everything. We just have to get everything figured out but yeah the trailer is done and will be released shortly um so do you have anything else to add um no uh just that we're yeah really excited actually i'm probably gonna stick the trailer at the end of this episode okay well then stick around keep on listening to our trailer after this and you might recognize the music right yeah you want to keep one thing the same 
Um, yeah, so just um, I don't know. Don't, oh my god, I think you like farted. That. Wait, was that not a fart? No, that was my mouth. <laughs> okay, when you listen to this recording, it sounded like a fart. Oh my god. I was like, what? <laughs> That was that was my mouth. I oh my not god, my butt. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That anyway. was so loud and nasty. Okay. Um. <laughs> yes. So, um, like and follow for more episodes. Isn't that what they say? Yeah. Subscribe all the things. Yeah. Subscribe, like, and subscribe. Um. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, this I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And this was Sprinkle of Sugar Dash of Murder for the last time. The eagle is flying for the last time. Okay. <laughs> I'm still gonna do Hello, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And this is Macabre Minds. We are lifelong friends who have decided to put our shared interest in all things macabre into a podcast. I'm a nurse and interested in the psychology of a case and looking into the mind of a killer. And as a theater major, I'm interested in the research and telling of mind-blowing and interesting stories. Macabre Minds is a true crime podcast that covers anything bizarre, sinister, or spooky. Tune in for future episodes and follow us on Twitter and Instagram with our info in our show notes.